0: We're so glad that you've joined us today on the Relevant Church podcast. There's so much God wants to do in and through you as you listen to today's message. If you want to learn more about Relevant Church, visit us online at thisisrelevant.cc. Man, it's so good to, uh, yeah, to be here. We, uh, we've been following y'all for a while, um, online, and, um, Man, I'm just, I'm just super excited to, to share what God is doing. But first, man, I got to give thanks to Mutai. What a welcome, bro. You had me in tears over there. I was like, who is that guy? I want to meet him. Um, but we go way back. We got so many stories we could share. Yeah. But that, that car, man, I used to have a, a Lincoln Town car. you know those cars? I miss it, by the way, but we call it the Blue Beast. And every winter, man, that Blue Beast would, it would break down. and wouldn't be a beast. And uh, we were on the side of the road, like, Paul and Silas, like, let's just pray this thing through. Who knows? God may do a miracle. The heat went out, it's freezing, and uh, he came through on the clutch. Um, that's just the type of God we serve, right? Uh, so, yeah, I just want to thank Pastor Mutah for inviting us to be here. But I want to show you all this throwback picture of me and Mutah from back in the day. Um, you know, when I was looking through pictures of what to find, I was kind of reluctant because when I seen the picture, I'm like, how did Pastor Muta stay the same size? <laughs> uh, this was in 2013, and um, as you can tell, I fluffed up a little bit. Uh, I got married in 2014, and, man, wow. those meals start coming in. And uh, I'm not blaming the wife, but the meals are delicious. Praise God for progress and all of that good stuff. Um, but, yeah, super excited, man. Just been praying for you guys. And um, so, so last night, it's crazy. I'm, like, thinking, couldn't really sleep, but I was just thinking about Relevant. And I seen, like, this bridge that was just lit up. And I was like, God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to show us today? And God was like, specifically, in Niles, Michigan, relevant is a bridge-building church. Just look around. Multi-ethnic, intentional, diverse, across socioeconomic statuses. And sometimes what happens in smaller cities, you become like the church or the, or the town that, um, as, as uh, Philip and Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Sometimes I feel like in small cities, and small towns, and growing churches like yourself, you know, there's a stipulation, can anything good come out of there? Because you're close to Granger and Mishawaka and South Bend. You're in the middle between uh, Ben Harbor and St. Joe. And then here is Niles, Michigan, and here is Relevant Church. And what beautiful place where God wants to um, impact the city, but not just the city, all the regions around through people, gospel-centered, driven people like you, who love Jesus, who love people that go across boundaries. And so, man, if you don't get excited about that and the leadership here, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's beautiful to see. It's so, so beautiful to see um, what God is doing. And so, you know, when I start praying about, all right, God, what is a message that you would like to share for all of us to to receive today and that that can just kind of center us back and keep us centered on you, and it's just this idea of throwing in a towel. So look at the person next to you and say, It's about that time. It's about that time. It's about that time. It's about that time. You know, I suspect that some of you coming out of uh, Thanksgiving week, uh, maybe you had some tough conversations with family. Um, around the holidays, we know that it can be a very celebratory time, but also it can be a time of grieving and hardship. And then when you just get around family, you know. <laughs> Stuff just come up, like I ain't seen you in like two years. I'm thinking we're gonna have a great time, and all of a sudden we get into it about something when we were seven years old in a toy box. Like, what's happening right now? But sometimes during the holidays, man, a lot of stuff come up, and it can be just a time of just being tired and overwhelmed. You're trying to do so much. So I suspect that some of us in this room today is feeling a little bit tired, maybe from traveling, maybe from the season of life. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home dad, and you're just like, man, I feel like things aren't going the way they should. I feel like I'm not in my kid's life like I need to be, and I'm just tired. And maybe some of you are in a season like, man, I don't know about work life. It's not going the way I want it to go. God, what's what's happening right now? And so this is a concept for over 13-plus years that I've been wrestling with, what it means to actually surrender to God, hold heartily with everything, all of our beings, all of our true selves and give our authentic selves to Christ. And what does it mean to throw in a towel, to, to rely on our self-sufficiency, rely on our self motives, our selfish desires and say, God, I truly want to follow your, your dreams for my life and also for my city, my community and for the church. And so I'm going to read through a text and if you need a Bible, I believe we can pass them out if you didn't bring one in. But the text will be on the screen if you want to follow along. I know some of us still like to hear the pages flip and touch that text. And so I'm going to read through uh, Luke chapter 5, just a few verses. And we're going to be looking at a story where Jesus is calling uh, a guy named Levi to, to follow him. So I'll give you a moment to turn to the text. Again, it's on the screen. So in Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32, it says, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he says to Levi, follow me. Follow me. Look at the person next to you and say, watch out now. Watch out now. now. And then in verse 28, it says, And leaving everything, he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes, they began to grumble at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answers them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but it is those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we love you because you first loved us. We come to you in these moments, God, thanking you. As we sang about lifting our hands in a total act of surrender, saying, God, move in our hearts, speak to us in only the way that you can speak. Minister to us as a family, as one unit, as one body, God, united under you. We pray this morning, God, that you would just ignite our hearts Fan our hearts into flame for your desires. Help us to see that there are some things in our life that we need to surrender to you wholeheartedly. Help us to see that there are some things that we need to throw in the towel on and say, God, I'm done trying to fight and battle my way. So will you you use this story, this text, your ancient word to speak truth to our modern day today? And will you guide us and shape us throughout the rest of this service? It is in your son's name we pray. We all said, amen. Amen. So in Luke 5, 27, it says, After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. So we pick up in 27, it says, After this, so we know something before must have happened. So we see we're in chapter 5. So a few things have began to happen. Jesus' earthly ministry is beginning to take off. You know, in Luke 4, he opens up the scrolls and reads and proclaims his identity and who God has designed and called him to be for his short stint on earth. But right before this passage in Luke five twenty-seven, you found these guys I like to call homies. You're going to hear a lot of, about Hebrew today, um, just a lot about Ebonics and slang, so I will translate as needed. <laughs> but here, right before this text, Uh, This guy and his homies was, like, really trying to get him to Jesus. This man was uh, paralyzed. He was a paralytic, and they, like, carrying him around town on this mat trying to get to Jesus. It's crowded. They're like, what do we do? And somebody gets a bright idea. Maybe they had a walkie-talkie. I don't know. But they was like, hey, there's an opening up top. Let's see what we can go up there and do. So they take the man on the mat, take him to the top of the house, and somehow, I don't know how they did it, but they got him down while everybody's surrounding Jesus. They put him through this hole. And drop him. Can you picture that? Like, is that not like crazy, silly? Like, here Jesus is teaching, and everybody's like, yo, what's happening? Is that, oh, okay, come on in. (laughs) I don't know if they dropped him or what, but it's pretty hilarious to me. So, that's what's happening before this text. And so, Jesus is healing, he's showing himself um, and allowing his power to begin to reach people. And so, Jesus is beginning to establish his influence out in the community. So, people are hearing about that there's this Messiah, there's this Jesus. Um, that's in our town and so what I love about this text Jesus if you know anything about him he's out on mission do you realize it says after he went out that means he's out walking the block walking through people as they're working seeing families you know be together he's out on mission looking to have conversations with people so he says he went out and he saw the tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. Now these are some dangerous words. Follow me. The year was 2004. I was a teen. I wish I had that picture, but I couldn't, I couldn't get it up there. It was like me with this do-rag and all red. I don't know who I thought I was. I was not in a gang, but I thought I was in a gang. Anyways, <laughs> it's another story. But it was 2004. I remember being in just like a dark place, like going through like emotional abuse, struggling with like identity, struggling with like, all right, God, I know that you're real. I was introduced to the church at a young age. Like I knew that there was a God, but I didn't believe there was a God that can show up in my life and live through me. I, I just, it was a challenge there. And so I found myself in this place. I was about to learn about with Levi doing things that I knew I shouldn't have been doing but just kind of lost in, the, in, in what I was surrounded in, lost in my environment. And so we're going to see Levi and maybe some of you today and maybe some of your friends or family are still in this place. And God is like, man, I, I, got, I got something for you that I want to show you. And so if you know anything about Jesus, if you read the text or maybe seen some movies, you know that Jesus comes out of the, a divine lineage of people, starting with Adam to, to Abraham um, to David, to Solomon, to Joseph. So he's coming out of this divine lineage where we know that the prophets were prophesying and said, There's a one to come that's going to redeem Israel, that's going to redeem people, that's going to reconcile people back to the Father. And so as Jesus has established his mission, people are hearing about this. So Jesus, as we, as we know, he's a rabbi. And a rabbi is someone who teaches people, teaches the word teaches the scrolls, teaches about the Old Testament, teaches about God. So when Jesus is saying to Levi, follow me, it's not just like, oh, I don't know if I should do that. It's like, man, I will be honored to go follow a rabbi and learn from him. Or put it this way, if, if I'm a basketball player and I'm at, on the park shooting hoops and I see LeBron James come up and say, hey, man, you want to work out and train with me? I'm like, heck, yeah, I want to do that. And so that's what we see here. When Jesus is saying, Levi, follow me, Levi, we're going to see he's going to get very excited and do something. So that's the role of Jesus. That's the role of a rabbi. And then you have the role of a tax collector. Now, if you know anything about tax collectors, they collect taxes, right? But back in the first century, second Jewish context, the role of a tax collector, they didn't have a a pretty, um, they didn't have like a great reputation in town. And so you will have a chief tax collector who will round up local people that knew the towns, that knew the roads, and they will say, hey, I want you to go collect taxes. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds right. That sounds moral. But what happened is they will go through town and say, um, you know, you like to shop at Target, and your home was nearby, you go to Target. I don't know if you have a Target here, um, but there's one somewhere. There's a Walmart, right? Anybody still shop at Walmart? Okay, we shop somewhere. So... (laughs) So they're shopping. Instead, they get their buggy. I call it a buggy. You might call it a cart. They get that. They, they take their, their goods. They're walking home. Here comes the tax collector, and he says, Oh, let me check this out. Let me see what you got here. Oh, some, some fruit. Okay, that's nice. 10%. They look at some other stuff. 20%. So they can do whatever they wanted to do and overtax. So Levi is caught up in this business, right? Where he's overtaxing people so that he can get rich. And so a tax collector is a Jewish person who's working for the oppressor who are the Romans, who are the Gentiles, taxing their own people. You following me? So that's the role of Levi, taxing his own people. When you think like he would be for his people because they're being oppressed and Levi is just getting over on the people. So Levi, his role as a tax collector was, was seen by peers as a thief and as a robber and as an enemy to Israel and to his Jewish people, as you see there. So Levi also named, is also named as Matthew. You didn't know that. Um, you'll score an A on the next quiz you take with Muta. Um, but he's, he's an enemy of Israel. He's corrupt. He's driven by greed. and He's not invited to religious or social events. So what that means, he's beginning to live a life of isolation. He's beginning to think like, man, this is what my life is turning out to be. Like, is this what you have for me, God? Is this the purpose you have for me? And there I was in 2004 thinking the same thing like Levi. Like, God, I know you have a covenantal love that you want to establish with me so I can be in your family. But here I am stuck with my friends because birds of a feather flock together. Y'all with me still? All right, talk back to me. All right, I grew up in a Baptist church, Pentecostal church. And if you know anything about historical, about African-American t- churches, they talk. And, uh, and uh, so, yeah, don't, if you're new here or new to the faith, it's all right. You can jump in, too. Just, just be nice, all right? Um, and so Levi is thinking, like, I don't know if I have a purpose. I've been living all these years getting over on my own people, doing wrong, getting by, thinking I'm getting by, but something inside of me is starting to create shame and guilt And now I'm living out the shame and guilt. All of my relationships are impacted by the way I'm impacting others in a wrong way. God, where are you in my life? And as you notice in our first text there, Jesus shows up when we least expect it. He shows up when we think all hope is lost. So I don't know if you come in here this morning feeling hopeless or down or discouraged or carrying things or bitterness, or unforgiveness, whatever you're carrying, Jesus is showing up and say, hey, there's a better way and a pathway for you to walk in. Just watch in this story of Levi. So even in this follow me, there's this call to discipleship. And a disciple means just to be a follower of Jesus, to learn of his ways, to know of his ways and to live his ways out. But when Jesus says, follow me, he's calling all of us to come to him and die. Not die physically, but to die spiritually and say, God, today I'm going to surrender yes. all that I have to you so that I can be a disciple of yours. Yes. And when we respond to that call of following me, when we respond to discipleship, we gather what we're doing here, right? We grow, and then what else do we do? We go. Yes. The people on the back, what do we do? We go. Okay, y'all going to wake up at some point. <laughs> So, following Jesus, it means to throw in the towel. I brought my towel with me today. Um, I hope the Hampton Sweets don't mind if I use this for a sermon illustration. Um, But they're blessed financially. (laughs) Praise God. So, following Jesus means to throw in a towel. And we look at verse 28, and it says, In leaving everything, now this is Levi who's had a conversation with Jesus, who's now responding to following him. And it says, leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. Now That leaving everything part is so much in there. It's so much in there. Leaving everything means he's walking away from a past sinful lifestyle. He's walking away from discouraged and hopelessness and turning to the Messiah and saying, hey, what, what can I do to follow you? What can I do to learn from you? What can I do to begin to grow into the person that you are designed, have designed and created me to be? So this text in 528 right here is past, it is present, it is future. And sometimes with our past and thinking about our past, we think, man, there's no hope for me. There's no guidance for me. There's no pathway to walking into what God has uh, predestined for me to walk into. But Levi is experiencing that he's going to get up. He's going to walk away. He's going to turn too. So then it says he rose, which means grace has met Levi. And grace is God's unmerited favor. It is his love extending and expounding towards Levi that he rose. That is the resurrection power of Jesus now igniting Levi to now live a life for Jesus. Y'all with me? And then he followed him. That's the future. So Jesus, when he meets us, he redeems our past, he redeems our present, and he redeems our future. That means we are totally redeemed when we surrender everything that we have to him. Y'all with me with that? Past, present, future, total submission, total surrender when you throw in the towel to Jesus when we surrender to him. You know what I love about Jesus? He always sees the potential in what we can become in him. And I and I so thank God that he meets us where we are. But guess what? He does not leave us where we are. Hallelujah. Like he meets us there in our brokenness. While we're hopeless, while we're like thinking I'm about to give up today. And he says, I see you. I see you struggling. I see the frustration. I see the the hurt and the pain. But guess what? There's healing in the name of Jesus. There's this power that wants to meet you and greet you and love you and shape you and mold you and begin to push you on this journey. That's Levi, y'all. That's Levi. He was corrupt. He was thinking there was no hope, that his life couldn't change. He was giving up. He was living out of that. He was treating others the way that he felt about himself. Low self-esteem, hurt, and rejection. He couldn't get invited to his own family functions anymore because he's taxing his own family. So Levi, he participated in systemic injustice. He participated in that. And I don't know about you, but when I look around our nation, more specifically our communities, you know, I look out and see there's a lot of injustice still happening. And I believe Dr. King said injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. And when you see injustice happening because of Jesus and the gospel living inside of us, we can't keep quiet. We have to speak into the injustices. And, you know, I was just thinking about what Levi was doing, thinking about the text, and I think about local communities, more so urban um, hoods or ghettos of what people like to call it, a lot of that was systemic behind the scenes that we didn't even know about or maybe some people knew about. But today it's like, God, how can the gospel go impact that? How can the gospel begin to change that? And I believe it's through relationships. It's through you knowing people that are in those spheres of influence and you going to go to live an inviting life to them and saying, Man, I believe God wants to begin to change these infrastructures. I believe the gospel wants to get into these places. And you know what's really cool? This is a theory. I don't know if it's right or wrong. But in Luke chapter 19, if you know anything about Zacchaeus, who was the chief tax collector, I believe that God used Levi, who was um, working under the chief tax collectors, to somehow have a conversation with Zacchaeus. And we learned with Zacchaeus that he was part of the same business. Who, where his heart was stirred, where he was a short little man, he was running, he couldn't see Jesus, so he climbs up the sycamore tree, Jesus comes by, sees him, Zacchaeus, I want to talk to you, Zacchaeus invites him to the home, he surrendered his heart to Jesus. Yeah. That says a lot, yeah. because when Jesus meets you, when he transforms you, impacts you with the gospel, you go out, you meet your friends, your classmates, your teammates, you go into the schools, to the grocery stores where you work out at, and your coworkers, and you have those conversations, and guess what? They begin to change and they end up here, a part of this relevant community. I hope you see that in the text. So throwing in a towel, it means to do life with the marginalized. So in Luke 5, 29, it says, Levi, he made him a great feast in his house. Come on, y'all, we just feasted, right? Yes, yes, somebody. Can I get a hallelujah to that? So Levi, he makes him a great feast and invites Jesus into his house. You know, what's so interesting about this is that Levi received this great word, received this invitation to be with Jesus, and invites him into his home. But prior to that, Jesus invited Levi into his home. Y'all catch that? And said, so There was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with him. You know, I find it kind of ironic that Levi has found the Savior, Jesus has found him. And he's now going to create a feast. And who does he invite? All church people? <laughs> he invites all his homies, all his friends, right? And he says, hey, I want to introduce you to someone that has the power, that has the love, the empathy and the love to under- and the grace to understand who we are and not push us away and keep us on the marginalized, but also invites us in to be a part of this family that God has established. I find that really, really ironic, but I love it. And so what does that mean for you? What does that mean for us? And so back in this day, in the, in the first century, the first um, uh, time of Jesus, we know that inviting people over for a great feast was an ancient practice. Some of y'all are like, it ain't that ancient. It's, just, it's an easy invitation. Or maybe you're like, nah, ain't nobody coming in my crib- I mean, house. Um, <laughs> y'all caught that. But it's an ancient practice to say, hey, when I invite somebody into my home, I'm inviting them to a part of my life to see me, not like I got it all together, but to see me for who I am, my true authentic self. But also it shows companionship, intimacy, and it's just something about breaking bread together or pulling turkey apart and all that good stuff. So Levi, he invites Jesus over a large company of tax collectors. And so in this day... The homes were kind of open, brick, and so people could walk by and see you're having a party and a feast and just sit on the outside and hang out. I know these days, we like, shut the curtains, turn off the lights, nobody's home. But in this day, anybody could come by, check it out, and listen from the outside. So here we see this, this large feast happening, and back in that day, you would be on the ground, reclining at the tables. I know we don't like eating on the ground anymore. We like to be high up like we got it all. No, I'm just kidding. Um, But we like to just eat comfortably. But here, they're eating all together. And so we see Jesus is doing life now with people that have been pushed away, that people have been deemed outcasts by society. So here's my question to you. Who are the Levites in your life that God wants you to invite to the table of grace? Who are the people that's being pushed away that, that don't have a voice in your community or in your job or at school or in the lunchroom or in the classroom? Who are those people that God is saying, man, just have a conversation with them. Go up to them and say, hey, is everything okay? And if you're a student or a young adult, these, it's these devices call cell phones, and somehow they become controlling for our lives. How about sometimes we put them down on a table or in our pockets, turn them off and say, hey, man, I've noticed you've been down lately. How's life really going for you? I believe God wants to use us in that way to reach those that are already in our spheres of influence. So who are the Levi's that God wants you to invite to the table of grace? And a recipient of grace always invites others to the givers of grace. Y'all catch that? A recipient of God's grace, which is you and I should always be encouraged, should always be ignited to invite others to the table of God's grace. So in Luke 5, chapter 30, here we're about to be introduced to the Pharisees and the scribes. And it says, and the Pharisees and their scribes, they began to grumble. In other words, they began to hate. Y'all remember that? Everybody hating on you? Ain't nobody hating on you. But anyways, the Pharisees are hating you. Right um, so the Pharisees and the scribes begin to grumble, they're confused, they're, they're envious, they're upset. Like, how can this man named Jesus go and do lunch and have dinner and hang around these people? Because if you know anything about uh, Le- uh, the Levitical priesthood and Pharisees, it was unclean to go hang out with tax collectors. Right, ceremonially, if you just read like Deuteronomy and Leviticus, you will learn about rabbis and and priests. So the Pharisees are these religious, devout, pious people who would memorize the first five books of the Bible, like memorize it. So they knew the word, but somehow the word wasn't living through them to reach people that God wanted to reach. And so they're upset that Jesus knows the word like them and is going out and reaching people that they should be reaching. Y'all following me? So they're upset about that. Like, how could this man go and eat and drink with tax collectors and go into their homes and do life with them? So throwing in the towel means that you will be talked about. You know, how dare you go out and have coffee with those people at Top Heavy? Y'all didn't know I knew that, did (laughs) y'all? I've been there, trust me. I love coffee. But how dare you go out and invite those friends to the lunch table with you you're supposed to be with us. How dare you be in the community hanging out with all of them? How dare you hang out with somebody of the, of the other race over a dif- different se- socio-economic class? How dare you do that? That's them in our modern day context today. So just know, it's OK to be talked about. Thank God that they're talking about us because we're going to make a difference because the gospel has ignited us to be with people. What's the great commandment? Love God, love people. right? That's it. They ask Jesus, what is the great, what should we do? And he says, love God for all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love yourself correctly and then go love everyone around you compassionately. And then when they began to do that, they're questioned. So when you go out and do that, don't be taken back by when they start questioning you. Why are you hanging with them? Because God has given me a purpose and a mission and this is where I should be. End of story. And I believe Paul talked about, you know, when you go out, you take the aroma of Christ with you. So I want people to smell Jesus. I want people to know who Jesus is. I want people to experience who Jesus is and let them talk like the Pharisees, who we know God can even reach them, and he has a redemptive purpose for all people. Amen? Amen. And here we go to our last text as we begin to wrap up. And it says in verse 31, And Jesus answers them. Because the Pharisees ask the question, why are you with these people? Why are you doing life? Why do you love them? How could you? And Jesus reaches out and says, those who are well have no need of a physician. And he's talking about the Pharisees who seems like they have it all together, that they're well, they're good. But Jesus says, I'm coming for those who are sick. And those who are sick are all those who aren't in Christ. Because of sin, we have a sinful sickness, disease. And what sin does, is separates us from our Father. What sin does is it strips us of our identity with him. What sin does says we're spiritually dead. We're disconnected. We're enemies of God. But because of Jesus, because of repentance, of turning to him, of saying, God, there's been some things in my life There's been some decisions like Levi that I've been making because of sin, because of hopelessness, because of being discouraged while I'm losing hope for my life. You think that there's no way that I can change. You know what's so great about that? It's true. There's no way you and I can save ourselves. There's no way you and I can reconcile ourselves back to the Father on our own strength. So God knew that he had to send his son, that he had to send Jesus, the one who was without splot, without blemish, to come and redeem, to go through Gogotha, the skull of bones, to take a bloodbath for you and I, to stand in our place, to be disgraced so that we can get grace. He had to go to the ultimate mercy seat once and for all, to become mercy so that we can receive of that. And now, because he was on the cross, extending himself to God and man, to all humanity, reconciliation has showed up. And you were once far away. You were once off. You were once lost. You didn't have a way to me, but I sent my son Jesus to find you to meet you while you're sitting at work, at the coffee shop, at the gym, and I've come and I'm extending myself to you so that you can be brought back to the Father. Is that not good news today, that God wants to reconcile people back to himself? You know what's so amazing is that if you ever want to know who God is, look to Jesus. If you ever want to find your true identity, look to Jesus the one who created you. If you ever want to know who you are, look to Jesus. So my question to you, our soul tattoos, something that's sticky, something God wants to to ponder on, to marinate on. Will you throw on a towel today and be set free? Will you surrender your white flag and say, God, this is what I've been holding back from you. This is what I've been wrestling with. This is what I've been holding on, struggling with. And God, today, I just want to surrender that. I want to let you have it. You know, I mentioned earlier that this call to discipleship is God saying, hey, you come and you die. So much of our lives, we we believe that Christianity is about trying and really it's about dying to ourselves. God wants to rid us of our self-sufficient power and say, God, you live your life through me. God never asked us for our help. He just asked us for belief and faith in Him. And He says, I'll do the rest of the work for you. You don't have to fight to do this. When Jesus got off the cross, He had all resurrection power in Him, and He sent back, as we learn about in Acts 2 and John 14, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, who now resides in us, which is our power to now live a life for Jesus. We don't live for love. We live from his love now. We don't work for grace. We live from grace. And I hope that encourages you. So would you be set free from religiosity, from whatever roadblocks that you are faced with today? Would you be set free from greed or maybe judgment or bitterness and throw in a towel of trying to figure out this life on your own and let Jesus figure it out for you? He's got a plan for you. He's got you. He loves you. He believes in you. He's established you, a beautiful community and relevant church. We are going to do some amazing things throughout the years. You have amazing leadership in here. Continue to pray for one another. Continue to build each other up and trust that God is establishing something so beautiful that can become a model for the world to see. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you are the one who sees us, you are the one who knows us, and you are the one who loves us. God, if anything, God, I pray that we've heard today that you have a redemptive purpose for our lives, that you redeem our past, our present, and our future, that we are saved by grace through faith alone. That it is because of your son, Jesus, that now we have right relationship with you. We went from being enemies to becoming friends and family because of the work of Jesus on the cross. So, God, if there's someone here today that's been questioning, God, I, I know you're, you're calling me. I know that you're real. I know that you want me to be a part of this family here at Relevant. God, I pray that your grace will meet them in this moment. God, maybe it's someone that's been questioning How do you even respond to this love and this grace? God, I pray in the silence of their heart that they would say to you, God, you are my savior. You are my king. I believe that you want ultimate control of my life. And then God, maybe there's someone who's saying, you know what? I have made some mistakes. I have made some bad decisions. But God, in this moment, I'm repenting. I'm bringing it all to you, turning away, God, through your spirit's power in me to not go back to that lifestyle. And so, God, we thank you for the text. We thank you for Levi's story, for his life, and the way that you moved and called him and then used him to reach his friends. God, we pray the same for us today, that you will use us as we go to reach our neighbors, to love across boundaries, and to continue to love you passionately. So we thank you and we praise you. and It is in your son's name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Relevant Church Podcast. If this message has been impactful to you, let us know by sending an email to hello at thisisrelevant.cc. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by investing at given.thisisrelevant.cc. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.